This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Welcome to episode 10 of Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. This episode will be looking at cohabitating and diversity within our communities. Joining me today is the Honourable Dr. Fiona Martin, who was elected as the first female Liberal member for Reid in 2019 and is also a leading child psychologist based in Sydney, Australia. The electorate of Reid is located in the inner western suburbs of Sydney, Australia, and it's one of the most vibrant multicultural electorates in our state. It's a bustling village of stores, cafes, restaurants, serving food from all corners of the world. And it's this harmonious diversity of multiculturalism which is why we're discussing cohabitating diversity and communities. As the member for Reid, Federal Minister Dr Fiona Martin directly contributes to the harmonious diversity in her community. Dr Fiona Martin is a mother of four, a psychologist, small businesswoman who has spent her life working to better the lives of people, supporting some of the most vulnerable children in her community. Dr Martin's work has helped to treat a wide range of learning, developmental and behavioural difficulties that children experience. Welcome, Dr Martin, to this podcast. We first met as psychologists when we were both operating separate practices within the same suite of offices. Must be 15, 20 years ago. I think at least 15, 20 years ago now. And um, it was an amazing time when we were working close together because I have fond memories of us working in separate offices, but then being able to come together in the common area of our um, where our office suites were located and having, um, you know, good professional chats, but also building a friendship and um, a wonderful rapport with each other. So it was a very special time. And um, I think, you know, as psychologists, um, we really need each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree. You know, there was a lot of collegial collaboration going on back then and you've contributed so much to our community originally back then as an academic, as a psychologist, um, working at the local level as a mother, daughter, wife, influencing and benefiting so many people now on a national level. That must be very rewarding. It is extremely rewarding. I loved working. Um, obviously, I loved working as a psychologist and, and helping people. I got so much satisfaction out of working um, with helping people through difficult times and also helping people who were um, experiencing um, mental health uh, problems. And now working as a federal member of parliament, I'm able to help people on a much larger scale through policy contribution and problem-solving issues that pop up for people in my area in Reid, which is the inner west of Sydney, um, an area that's known probably to be the most multicultural um, electorate across Australia. Um, We have people in Reid who come from backgrounds including um, Chinese, Korean, Lebanese, Italian, Nepalese, Indian... Um, and the list goes on. So I'm very lucky to be surrounded by such um, rich culture and, um, and diversity. 
And of course, of course, you know, being a mother is extremely rewarding, of, of, obviously as well. And um, I am fortunate to have had four gorgeous children, and uh, they're all growing up very, very quickly. And um, they are, you know, each individually doing uh, wonderful things um, in their school communities, and you know, in their local communities too. Uh, each of them, um, you know, little little dynamos in and of themselves. That's so, wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're great. <laughs> that, that's wonderful to hear. And I can hear how having been a, or still being a psychologist and a mother really must contribute to your interactions in the community. And I see you getting out and chatting with so many small business owners in your electorate of so many different racial backgrounds, as you're mentioning. How do they all live and work together in such seeming harmony? Well, we have we have such diversity, as I mentioned, and I think that Reed is just well known for cultural diversity, which makes us, I think, um, in, in many ways, um, not just unique in, in that respect, but also very, very unique and special in the sense that people come to read to have, you know, good Indian curry. People come to read to have good Chinese food. People come to read to have, you know, the best Italian pasta <laughs> and the best coffee. <laughs> I will tell you now that Reed has the best coffee, um, <laughs> I think, in Australia. <laughs> it's better than... <laughs> it's better than what's on offer in Parliament. <laughs> but it's, we're known, we're known to have good food and we also have wonderful cultural celebrations here in Reid. So there's there's always something happening in Reid um, around cultural diversity and, and that's what makes Reid so special. And, um, and I'm proud to be representing a community that is so diverse it just makes it so much more alive and colourful and and fun. And you're proud of them. Do you think they're proud of themselves in the electorate and working and living together in such diversity and that perhaps is what makes it cohesive, that everyone is proud to be in, in the electorate? I think so, you know, and I think about the little pockets within, you know, my very big electorate um, from Dremoyne, through to Rhodes, Foreshore, um, Majors Bay Road, Concord, to Lidcombe, um, to Homebush, Strathfield, all the suburbs, um, Burwood, which is where I'm located. Um, my office is in Burwood. And um, we're just so fortunate to be in a community that is very proud to be so culturally diverse uh, and to have um, to have that you know social cohesion. I mean, this is what multicultural Australia is all about. It's right here in Reed. Sure, seems to be. And when there are problems and issues that must develop as they do in any community, how do they get resolved? Well, I think we work very closely with all agencies, government agencies and, you know, departments, and um, we work as a team. So whether it's, you know, fighting coronavirus, which of course is at front and centre right now, um, or whether it's um, dealing with... Um, you know, other issues that pop up, I think we work collaboratively as a team. Most recently, I uh, formed a community cabinet with local leaders. So the uh, local councillors uh, here in Reed, the mayors and the general managers of the councils and the state members have been collaborating to manage uh, coronavirus. And so we've worked 
systematically on issues that have popped up in the community. And I think it's through collaboration. I think it's through working as, I call it, Team Australia and problem solving um, through through the sharing of ideas and working um, with the community on the ground to come up with ways to resolve issues that come up. Um, and so whether it's overcrowding in a certain area and, you know, needing to put more signage up or whether it's, um, you know, making sure that people are not congregating in a particular park um, at the moment, you know, we're all working together to problem solve to get the best outcomes for, for our local community. Sounds as good as it could be. Many people don't know that you're actually the daughter of immigrant parents. Is this one of the reasons why you seem so passionate about the community side of your position? Does it help with your position? Yeah, so it was my grandparents. Um, so my my paternal grandparents, my yaya and papu, so that's my grandparents, they migrated from a little island um, in Greece called Castellorito and... Uh, and I grew up, you know, um, with with that. You know, as, as the granddaughter of a migrant, um, I think that that shaped and formed my love and appreciation of um, all cultures, of course, but also an understanding of, you know, what it's like to be a migrant, I think, um, coming to Australia and, you know, starting fresh and the importance of community in all of that, how people work together to help each other um, you know, when, when they're in need of help. Such a wonderful background. And being in Australia, we're so far removed geographically from the rest of the world or much of the, the world. Do you think having multicultural societies makes us feel more included, more inclusive, more global? Absolutely, I do. I think it does. And I think it just gives us that kind of world focus. And I think, you know, people bring everyone has a story everyone has something to contribute and I think that it's certainly um uh I think it just gives us that rich tapestry of Australia you know having people from different cultures from having come from different parts of the world just makes Australia all that much better off for having that diversity I think we're very lucky in Australia very fortunate and um and I think we're even more fortunate to have that cultural diversity. So for me, um, multiculturalism is is really an important part of what makes Australia what it is today. Completely agree. And I'm hoping that it will help us to deal with racial tensions, which always occur across history, don't they? Yes, unfortunately they do. And, um, and we're not immune from that. And we've worked on, you know, various campaigns um, to address um Things that have popped up, you know, locally, but also across um, the country, especially during this pandemic. So in Reed, we've set up Read Against Racism, which was a competition for young kids. And I believe in working with our younger generations. And I think that's very important, having worked with children and adolescents in my line of work um, for a long time and having worked um, in school environments as well. I think that we need to work with our future leaders and, and our children are, are our future leaders. So we created a competition here in my office where we got young people to contribute in any which way they felt um, they could, whether that was an essay or a piece of artwork, um, a drawing or a painting uh, or a sculpture even, and they were able to express 
um, their concern and, um, you know, create something that was all about um, social cohesion, living together and um, fighting racism. So I'm really proud of the kids in, from Reed and, and their contributions because we had some really lovely um, pieces of art and essays and uh, most impressed by what came back. The kids are great. How fantastic to give them a sense of agency because I, I hear, as you must too, that children are more socially aware, more globally aware these days and even anxious. Yeah, well, the internet obviously and, you know, social media um, have contributed to, to that sort of that sense of being more worldly, I think. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, able to talk to people from all over the world these days and to contribute discussions online and um, and I think that um, you know kids are more anxious today well we know that anxiety is one of the most common psychological problems actually probably one of the most one of the most uh, common health problems across across the world and um, the kids today face challenges that we didn't face when we were younger so I think it's important to have children involved and to have a voice and I love kids being involved in the political discussions and I felt that Read Against Racism campaign was one way to get kids involved in politics. Congratulations, that sounds wonderful. And diversity, of course, is not just about multiculturalism. It's also, as you know so well, about diverse abilities because you've done so much work with children in particular in autism and other areas. Yes, I've worked with kids with autism. Um, well, the story, so when I was studying at the University of Sydney um, in my early years in my undergraduate degree, a family friend first contacted me uh, and they had a son with autism and who's now a, a, a wonderful, uh, high-functioning young adult. But um, it was that experience of working as an early intervention therapist while I was at university that inspired me to work with children with autism because I found it so rewarding, uh, incredibly rewarding to be able to teach a child to, to speak and interact through using behavioural and structured educational techniques. So it was a wonderful time to be, you know, in very inspiring work. And, um, and so I dedicated a lot of my work. In fact, my PhD was focused on um, working with young people and improving the social functioning of young adults with autism spectrum disorder and also worked with the autism, or was called the Autism Association of New South Wales back then, but is now called Autism Spectrum Australia, which is a wonderful organisation that helps individuals that do have autism spectrum disorder. So, I mean, over the course of time, I was fortunate to work with many young people and, and adults too. And, um, and I think it's very important that we work with um, and motivate and support individuals who have disabilities, and to and to find and to find ways that they can contribute to society as well, be that in supported employment or helping the community in some um, meaningful way. And um, I'm actually on the NDIS committee, which is great because I'm able to use my skills. And um, and it's been wonderful to be to be in that involved in that space now being a Member of Parliament. So people who suspect they have problems or their children have problems with autism can contact Autism Spectrum Australia? Yes, they can, yes. 
Uh, and Autism Spectrum Australia has a, an information uh, hotline where you can contact and they are able to direct you to the various services and agencies that, you know, people with autism um, may need across across their lifespan. So, um, and it's a very good resource, a wonderful organisation. Are there similar ones in other countries? There are. I mean, the United States, I know, has, depending on the state, had services available. I was fortunate to do a clinical placement uh, at the University of North Carolina. And um, in North Carolina, there is a statewide funded program called Division Teach, which is for individuals who have uh, autism spectrum disorder. But it's not like that everywhere across the world. So um, I think we're very fortunate to have Autism Spectrum Australia and to have a service that offers support to families and individuals who have or who have somebody in their family that has an autism spectrum disorder Um, because they're not just helping young children who have autism but individuals across their lifespan and that's really important. It sure is. And do you feel communities are becoming more accepting of different types of abilities or even disabilities? In many ways, yes. Absolutely, and I, you know, I know that uh, locally we have, um, you know, supported employment uh, agencies, and um, we're celebrating more the skill diversity of individuals now, rather than um, than 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 what we may have done in the past. I think we're moving forward, and there's a cultural shift um, in in celebrating the skills and the diversity of skills that each. Each and each of us has, yeah, absolutely. What a great but thing! But there's more work, to, more work to be done, of course, always. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And and as a psychologist, are you seeing benefits of communities becoming more inclusive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's up to each and each individual one of us to work in a collaborative way and to be inclusive. So I think that we all need to take responsibility for inclusiveness. Um, but at the grassroots level, I think that, you know, as a local leader and um, as a federal member for Reid, I think it's very important to be in touch with your community uh, and also to work in an inclusive matter, manner so that you can, um, so that you can see democracy working. Democracy is really about inclusiveness. It's about being a representative of the people. And I think inclusiveness goes hand in hand with democracy. And as psychologists, we would, I think, probably agree that people are growing and becoming more conscious, more resilient, if they're inclusive of different peoples and and diversity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, well, resilience is at the core of you know, um, you know, survival. I think they're important lifelong skills, that ability to bounce back in the face of adversity. I mean, right now we're, we're faced with, with adversity, sadly, and um, we're fighting a global pandemic. And I think that resilience is an important um, trait, skill to have. And, and it all starts in young people. It's about teaching our young people how to become resilient. And there are ways to do that. And I think parents and schools, um, our leaders, uh, our health professionals all have an important role to play in being able to instill resilience in future generations. 
Absolutely agree. And it sounds like you're saying it's from grassroots, the individual level, as well as top down from leaders, that we all need to work together to become more accepting, understanding, and as you say, celebrating diversity. And that will aid our resilience. It will help us feel a sense of agency. It will help with anxiety. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, when we when we can teach these skills, whether it be teaching young kids to, to think in a way that's more optimistic, to be able to challenge their negative thoughts or to overcome social anxiety or to communicate in a way that they can, they can problem solve and deal with difficult situations, to deal with situations that, you know, um, present problems to them, then they're going to be able to deal with the real, real world when they're, you know, when they've finished school. So I'm, I'm so passionate about resilience. I'm so passionate about instilling resilience in young people. In fact, I dedicated a lot of my work towards that. So um, I, I can't speak more highly enough of the importance of teaching resilience in young people today and how resilience is really about, it, it's really the building block for good mental health. I mean, when young people are taught resilient skills, they're in a much better position to be able to deal with adversity later on in life. And so that's where it's all at, I say. (laughs) Oh, I completely agree. And for those young people taking over Australia now, becoming the the citizens, the adult citizens of Australia and being proud of the democracy and resilient Australia – Are there any other challenges that communities are facing that once overcome can bring the community closer together? Well, I think right now, in a a time when we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, we've, we've certainly got the health message out there. And I think a lot of people, and I think most people understand and appreciate the importance of social distancing. But one thing that we're faced as a consequence of the global pandemic, of course, is the economic impact that um, coronavirus has has had on our local economies. And just locally here, for example, supporting small business is a really great way um, to, to work together. You know, these are people in my community, mums and dads, they're family-owned businesses that might be their local cafe, it might be a local restaurant, the dry cleaners, it might be a retail store of some sort. Um, or a function centre, it's about supporting local businesses right now because that is what community is all about and it's about helping everybody to get through as best we can, um, uh, you know, as we work our way through um, the pandemic. So supporting small business is really something that I'm working on and uh, continue to work on and um, I encourage people locally to do that. As a result of the recent pandemic and its effects on the economy and in particular small business, I've certainly seen much more consciousness in the community from people supporting local businesses. And people seem to be putting more thought into their purchasing decisions, shopping locally, supporting local trade and generally trying to help their community. So crises can bring us closer together as communities. It can make us become more supportive and more conscious of supporting each other and of each other's differences and vulnerabilities. I think so. I think we're working together um, in a in a wonderful way, and I'm seeing wonderful examples of that here locally. As I mentioned earlier, the the collaboration of 
of local councillors and mayors and the collaboration of state and federal working all together to problem solve, to to bring out the best in our community, to get the best outcomes for our community, be that in terms of health, um, supporting small business um, and in putting in place, um, you know, uh, things that just help get the best outcomes for our local community. And that's what really community is all about, working together and listening and listening. Listening is important. Uh, listening is an important skill to have. And I think that as a federal member, that's, that's an important skill. In fact, at any level of government, it's an important skill. Listening to the people, and that's at the heart of what democracy is. Sure is. And as a psychologist, you know that so well. <laughs> so Yeah, I guess it's served me well to be a member of parliament but also to have those professional skills and I think that um, that there's certainly good skills to have uh, in government. Well as our Prime Minister has said you are very well equipped as a psychologist to be a member of parliament, federal parliament. I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. No we're very lucky to have you Dr Martin, very lucky indeed. Thank you, thank you so much. So you were involved in politics as a very young person and studied politics in your first degree. Why was it you wanted this position in politics? So when I was when I was a eighteen year old, may have been seventeen, um, around that age, I saw an ad in the local newspaper. Actually, I think it may have been Mum that noticed the ad, and it was for Youth Week, and they were looking for a Youth Week ambassador, somebody to um, collect information about what young people in the area wanted. And interestingly, it was my mother who noticed these skills in me and wanted me to, encouraged me, didn't want me, encouraged me to take and to apply for this position. So I went and applied for this position and strangely got the position and I was the Youth Week ambassador for, for the local area. And I love being involved in um, working with people. Uh, I've always been a bit of a social butterfly. <laughs> I love being around people. And so I was collecting information from young people about what they wanted. And then I had to present the results to the council about what we needed to put in place for young people in the area, be that uh, skate ramps or how to design parks to accommodate young people. And basically what the voices of young people were in the community. So that is that Youth Week experience empowered me to um, look into politics a little more. I also got involved in an organisation called Here for Life, which was affiliated with Rotary. And I did some um, Rotary Youth Leadership um, courses through RILA, which was the Rotary Youth Leadership Award. And I was involved in an organisation called Here for Life, which um, worked on addressing the issue of youth suicide, which was an issue that I was very passionate about from a very young age. Uh, because somebody in my community, somebody who I knew, um, had committed suicide and it affected our whole community, our whole school, and um, we were all devastated, of course, by uh, what had occurred, but it touched me and I wanted to, um, you know, do something about it um, because I just thought it was something that I could potentially help with. So I you know, dedicated a lot of time um, into this organisation and we did some wonderful work. We worked with the government at the time and I think I was only about 18 or 19 years old. Um, and then after that experience, I felt the need to join a political party and I, I joined the Liberal Party and the Young Liberals at the time because I felt that it resonated with me and and who I am and my values. Um, 
I, I was drawn to the Liberal Party for a number of reasons and I met people in the Young Liberals who, who have become lifelong friends. And, um, and, of course, some of them sit next to me now in the federal parliament and some, of course, are in the state, <laughs> state uh, government as well. In fact, our premier, <laughs> uh, Gladys Berejiklian, was, was a young liberal once upon a time. Um, so that experience of being in the Young Liberals and being involved in student politics as well at the University of Sydney um, just encouraged me and inspired me to do more and more. But there was um, a little bit of a crisis internally in the sense that I really wanted to dedicate my life to helping people's mental health, um, but I was also interested in politics. And I think back then, politics was a hobby. I didn't see it as a profession so what I did was I dedicated my training, I had to make that really hard decision, to becoming a registered psychologist. And that's what I did. I, I went through, and as you would know, um, <laughs> the years and years and years and years of study <laughs> <laughs> and training uh, that made that made me uh, get to the point where I was eligible to be a registered psychologist, which I was very happy and passionate about. Um, and so after many years of, of practicing, um, you know, finally, uh, at some point that, you know, that politics, that burning desire to be involved in politics and that desire um, and passion for democracy um, returned. <laughs> and I felt that it was my time to, to get more involved um, to the point where I felt ready to run for, for federal politics. And so really, um, the, the desire and the passion has always been there. It's just that... Um, well, to be honest, I think that I'm better prepared now to be a member of parliament, having having had life experience as a small business owner, as a parent, uh, having worked in a profession, you know, like psychology, and having having worked in different environments, um, both in private clinics, public hospitals, private hospitals, and some overseas experience too. I felt I was in a position to give back and to contribute at that level. So, um. The time was right, I guess, and um, and that's my story. What a wonderful story. Absolutely fully prepared you for this stunning work and contribution you're making to our nation. Thank you so much, the Honourable Dr Fiona Martin, member for Reed, for all the wonderful, stunning work you're doing for Australia and for talking with us today. If people want to contact you, how should they do that? They should reach out to my office. So the number is zero two nine seven one five seven triple four, or they can email fiona.martin.mp at aph.gov.au. Thank you very much, Dr. Martin. Thank you so much for having me on your show and uh, um, wonderful to, to speak with you again and look forward to more discussions in the future. Fantastic. Please note any references to people, stories or scenarios mentioned in this podcast are purely theoretical and are not real people or events and are used to give context only. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes.